guys, welcome to episode 117 of the Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality television starlets. It is me, Nick Nolte, and I am excited in ways that I literally can't even express to you. Honestly, I don't know the words. First of all, it's just me and you, and we haven't recorded an episode alone in a good while. We needed this, you know what I mean? We needed to decompress, we needed to pack uh, you know, a, a new pack of parliaments and open them up and just kind of chain smoke and like really just be gals, you know? Um, and also I'm doing a very highfalutin A-list episode today. And it's been a while for that too. I've done a lot of like actual reality television couples recently and I'm excited. Well, if not reality, just kind of like lowbrow, you know what I mean? And it's been a while since I've done an A-list episode. So this is, uh, this is going to be super fun. I should also mention to you that I have already recorded this episode and I fucked up my audio. So I'm doing it again. So you're getting it a little bit later in the afternoon than you normally would. Um, I'm actually recording this today, like on the 8th. You're going to get it in like an hour. Um, So yeah, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Clearly, I'm really excited. And we are talking today about Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck. This is our third... Ben Affleck episode, I believe. And let me tell you something. Ben Affleck does not disappoint. The man gives every time. Every single time. I wouldn't call him the king of the smush of the smush room. Like I think that um I think that in some weird way, uh Ch- Charlie Sheen still holds that title as like the most salacious male I've ever talked about. But Ben Affleck is definitely a prince. He deserves some sort of title. He des- he deserves a sash or something, a crown, I don't know. But this man just gives me everything I need. Like I when I'm typing episodes with him, I literally look like that Jim Carrey meme from Bruce Almighty where his fingers are just going a mile a minute like I can't stop and there's so much information. And then when it comes to Jennifer Garner, um I actually think that this episode is going to be weirdly therapeutic for me because I think that I have things to work through when it comes to Jennifer Garner. I don't know where to place her in my life. I don't know if I love Jennifer Garner. I don't know if I can't stand her. I don't know if I think that she's the most genuine, precious moments figurine I've ever encountered or if she's the most narcissistic, self-indulgent, uh, disingenuous woman to ever exist. I don't know. I literally don't know where I swing on Jennifer Garner. I kind of feel like, for the most part, I love her. And I think that she, like, that smile and those dimples, like, I could literally catch her standing over a body with a knife. And if she smiled at me and gave me the right amount of dimple, it would all be forgiven. You know what I mean? Even if I was the body. Like, she's just so fucking sweet. But I don't know. Anyways, we should just go ahead and get into it. I'm just, uh, I'm really jazzed up and amped up. And I think that I've had too much coffee yet again. So if, uh, if I'm talking a mile a minute, I apologize. Um, Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck started dating in fall of 2004. They became engaged in April of 2005. And they got married in June of the same year. They separated in 2015. And their divorce was finalized in November of last year. Um... They have three children together, Violet, Samuel, and Serafina Rose. And uh, look, I truly cannot imagine the horrors that Jennifer Garner was put through in this relationship. 
And she's now a part of a long lineage of women who have dated slash married Ben Affleck and lived to tell. Um, I guess the major difference with her is that she was with him the longest, obviously, and they had children together. And now he's attached to her for the rest of her life. Whereas the other girls were able to kind of crawl away and lick their wounds. So I'm sure, you know, people like Gwyneth and Jennifer Lopez look back on their relationship with him and feel like they dodged a major bullet with this man. Um, Ben and Jen were very famously involved in a cheating scandal in 2016 that involved a nanny and a bottle of champagne and some Super Bowl rings. We'll obviously get to it, but they really rocked the internet. They broke the internet, if you will. Rocked the internet? Ew. I'm, I'm, I almost want to stop recording. Um, and I've obviously covered Ben Affleck on this podcast a ton, and I'm consistently fascinated by the idea that the women in his life know all of his deep, dark secrets. And when it comes to Ben, the secrets are so fucking deep and dark. Like, they're just... This man is like, I don't know. He just carries so many demons with him. Um, You know, Gwyneth was with him during a time uh, in his life where he was kind of coming into money and, you know, the world was at his fingertips for the first time. And she saw him, you know, sort of blossom. Uh, She also saw his relationship with Harvey Weinstein grow, which is like, I know that she's seen some shit. And... You know, she also knows whether he did or didn't write Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> which, by the way, he didn't. Uh, and then there's Jennifer Lopez, who she got like Hollywood Ben. She got the Ben that like was very media savvy and aware of how to navigate Hollywood, and um, and not just Hollywood, but like the seedy underbelly of Hollywood and Atlantic City, <laughs> if you will. Um, and J Lo got like the. Like, I'm really into gambling now, Ben, which sucks. But of all the women in his past, I think, just for me personally, Jennifer Garner got the least desirable version of Ben Affleck, in my opinion. Like, the philandering family man, like, that's just, like, gross and, like, not even fun. You know what I mean? The Ben who, like, pretends to be, like, a wholesome, reformed dad for his wholesome Christian wife. And, you know, at the same time, he's, like, hiding his wedding ring in his pockets and you know, while he's going to, like, fuck some stripper against a wall in a sicko bathroom. You guys know what I mean. Like, uh, that's, like, like, I would, if if you're gonna, like, mentally fuck me over, I'd rather you be young and hot and tan. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna get fucked over by a middle-aged, bloated Ben Affleck. Like, no. But Ben Affleck in the 90s? Absolutely. Ruin my credit. Yes. Um, And let me also be clear in saying that I fully understand why you're here right now and, like, why you clicked on this episode and what you're expecting. You want to hear me talk about Ben fucking strippers and passing out on polka tables and (laughs) doing coke off women's boobs and stuff and, like, you know. And, honestly, you deserve that. You you stuck with me for 117 episodes. I'm going to give you what you want. You deserve it. But you have to settle the fuck down because I can't just give you the cow or whatever the old adage is. You know what I mean? We have to ease into it. We have to do some housekeeping first. We have to talk about Hollywood's favorite bright-eyed Christian, Jennifer Garner. Um, And yeah, so like we'll get there. Just stick it out. This this may be a long episode. I don't know. There's a lot to get to. 
Um, so we'll get there, but we have to like, there's an appetizer first that you need to sit through and, and you know what I mean? Be polite and use the right fork and all the things. So Jennifer Garner was born on my birthday on April 17th in Houston, Texas. And she moved to West Virginia when she was a little girl. And, um, you know, it's been a while since I pulled out feelers and, uh, I'm just saying that like in the story of Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck's life, like I do feel her Aries energy, and I obviously look a ton like her. We're Christian sisters, and uh, I would just like to let it be known that I'm I'm very comfortable playing her in the Lifetime biopic of her life. So, Molly, if you're listening, please reach out to Lifetime and let them know that I am, in fact, interested and available. Um, Jennifer's mom was a homemaker who later became a teacher, and her dad was a chemical engineer, And if I'm being honest with you, I used to think that Jennifer's, like, Christian values bullshit was all fake. Like, I thought that it was all just actual bullshit. And I still believe that Jennifer Garner uses her Christianity and her good girl image to control her narrative. But she did grow up in a very religious household. And her dad was super conservative. Um, He was a very conservative Republican. And her mom is described in all of Jennifer's biographies as quietly blue. Um, she went to church every Sunday. They attended Bible school in the summer. Like she is that girl. And it's not to the same extreme as like a Katy Perry, but it does give me Katy Perry vibes. Like she and her sister weren't allowed to wear makeup. They weren't allowed to dye their hair. They couldn't paint their nails. They couldn't have piercings. Um, they weren't really allowed to consume like secular media in their house Um, it wasn't the extreme of Katy Perry not being able to eat Lucky Charms because, like, uh, a leprechaun is the devil or whatever, but, like, it was approaching that, I think. Jennifer was quoted saying, I'd hate to say that it was a strict upbringing. It was just not condoned. I never felt hemmed in, but in the middle of three girls, uh, she said, I'm the middle of three girls and none of us pierced our ears, none of us wore makeup or nail polish. We had bone straight hair, all one length. It was just kind of the Garner girl aesthetic. You guys, I want to talk to you about something important. If you know me, then you know that I'm pretty unapologetic about the fact that I champion women. I was raised by women. I've only ever really lived with women, and I'm surrounded by what I would consider to be strong female energy for a majority of my day, which is why I feel compelled to talk to you about Lola. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. They ask themselves, if we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, then why shouldn't the same be true for feminine care products? Unlike other major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. There's no BS, no mystery fibers, or doubts about what's going on in your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. In addition to Lola being a female-founded company that offers a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners, they now offer sex products too. Sex by Lola is a line of gynecologist-approved sexual health and wellness products, lubricated condoms, personal lubricant, and cleansing wipes designed first and foremost for women. All products are stripped of unnecessary, irritating additives and deliver the sensation and reliability women expect and deserve. Sex by Lola is the next step in the mission to becoming the first lifelong brand for women's bodies. Until now, women have only been offered products aggressively marketed towards men and their desires. But what about your needs, girls? At Lola, women 
women come first. You should be empowered to make decisions about your sex life. Lola's ultra-thin lubricated condoms are made of a natural rubber latex and individually tested for contraception and STI protection. Their ultra-thin design and premium medical-grade silicone oil lubricant ensures a safe and without sacrificing sensation. I got a discreet little Lola subscription box in the mail and guess what I did with it? I put all the products in glass jars and stationed them around my bathroom. Because Lola items come in this very chic, simple matte packaging. So now when I have people over, they'll feel encouraged to maybe take a condom or three. Um, also, when I have girlfriends over and they stay the night or whatever, they have an array of safe feminine hygiene products to choose from. Your Lola subscription is fully customizable. You can choose your mix of products, absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Lola subscription is super flexible. You can also change, skip, or cancel your subscription at any time. Um, also, for every purchase, Lola will donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. And for 30% off your first month's subscription, visit mylola.com and enter smush when you subscribe. Uh, we didn't really question it. It was just the way we looked and it was kind of no frills, no fuss. And um, Jennifer, and by the way, like we all know that girl. We all know that girl. We've all like went to high school with like that girl who had like sisters who were all like all of them were like plain Jane, blunt cut, like you know what I mean? Just like wearing Keds year round gals, like just very simple, sweet, um, boring, basic girls. She studied performing arts and did summer stock theater in West Virginia during college. And while she was there, she helped like build sets and she, uh, you know, she learned how to like clean bathrooms and she sold tickets and worked as a coat check girl I actually read that there was a short period of time in her life where she contemplated working behind the scenes as her actual career because she enjoyed that element of theater so much, um, which again also checks out for me fully in my head. Like the image of Jennifer Garner like hammering set pieces with a spare nail between her lips, like wearing a tool belt like for, and like Eddie Bauer jeans. Like for some reason that just makes sense to me. Um, she moved to New York in the mid 90s and made her television debut on... Uh, a miniseries called Zoya. And this is, as I always say, when it comes to these highfalutin episodes, the period of her life where she was like a miniseries queen. She was on a ton of these like Saturday afternoon movies. Um, she was on like, you know, uh, Law and Order and, you know, just all of like the cliche shows that we mention all the time. I'm sure that there's an episode of Dr. Quinn with her in the background somewhere, like praying uh, she also worked as a nanny for Stephen Colbert. Um, apparently, she met him on the set of Spin City, and uh, he offered her as like a, a job to watch his kids because she was broke. And she ended up moving to LA a couple years later and worked pretty consistently from that moment on. Um, she was in the TV movie Rose Hill. Uh, she starred in a Woody Allen film, but her scenes were cut last minute. Um, but I think the biggest thing that she had done up to that point was, and also, by the way, the thing that introduced her to the world was as Hannah Bibb in the show Felicity. She was the girl that got in the way of Felicity and Noel, aka Scott Foley, who she dated and later married. J.J. Abrams made her audition for that guest spot. She was literally in one episode, but he made her audition five times. So obviously she thought that he hated him, but little did she know he was like obsessed with her and um, would basically hand her a career later on a silver platter. 
And the narrative of that situation was that as Jennifer's star began to rise, that her relationship with Scott Foley suffered. Um, and the Scott Foley of it all is actually pretty important in the sense that it was her first really high profile relationship. And it was her first real foray into like the world of being a tabloid queen. You know, Jennifer Garner has always been one of those, one of those types of celebrities that is private until being private doesn't serve her. Like she'll beg to not be photographed, but then contact a photo agency to tell them that she's going to be somewhere so that she can announce a new relationship. Do you know what I mean? Um, but she ended up marrying Scott in October of the year 2000 and they divorced in 2003. He told People Magazine, just because you decide to be uh, not married to someone doesn't mean that you hate each other. Uh, forget me in the equation. Uh, what Jennifer went through with her sudden fame <clears throat> was a one in a million thing. We were up against pretty impossible odds. Um, and speaking of sudden fame, let's talk for a second about Alias, a.k.a. when Jennifer Garner actually becomes interesting. So when Jennifer Garner starred in Felicity, J.J. Abrams loved working with her so much that he immediately started writing not only a role for her, but an entire television series based around her as the lead, which is fucking crazy considering she'd barely had any experience. She'd never really worked on anything that required her to do like stunts or anything like that. And she would be playing a character that was completely against type. So there was no telling if she'd be able to pull this off, but he just liked her. Um, he told USA Today in 2002, there was something about her that I just thought was really special. I always thought she had something in her personality that was funnier and sexier and smarter and more mischievous than anything I'd ever seen. And I wrote Sydney for her and I wanted her to do that show. And you can really tell that this is when her public image is a good, wholesome Christian gal, like a plain Jane who stumbled into fame narrative uh, started to kind of form. In that same USA Today article, uh, it said, no one watching her glam appeal on Alias, a show that features the most outrageous array of sexy costumes since Cher went off the air, would expect the fresh-faced, open young woman who shows up to an interview at a trendy Brentwood restaurant sans makeup but without any pretensions that often attends sudden stardom. The only clues that she stars on TV in an action-adventure hour are physical. A few bruises from a day spent jumping out of a ceiling vent and hauling herself in again. Um, and a, a bump on her forehead from where she slammed her head into the camera during a fight scene. Most endearingly, she's uh, humorously modest about her own contributions to Alias and, bless and blessedly unjaded about Hollywood. When a little girl asks her for an autograph, Garner sweetly engages her in conversation for a long time. Garner says, I've never even worn a bikini in my life. My dad didn't like them. So, of course, when my costume designer first came to me with the rubber dress and the lace dress with no with the bra underneath, my, ugh, my initial reaction was absolutely not. But she very calmly shows me that she's going to do this and do that and cover this and cover that. And next thing you know, I'm in a bikini. Ugh. I mean, like things like that. I'm like, ugh. and I also have this wild suspicion that me and her dad would not get along. I don't think I'd like him very much at all. Um. I can tell you firsthand that I was absolutely fucking obsessed with Alias when it aired. I watched it religiously. I loved it. To me, as a teenage boy, you could not tell me that Jennifer Garner was not the coolest, sexiest, most aspirational fucking woman on television. She was literally Laura Croft come to life, which was my gay tween sexual fantasy, like literally. Um, 
The show ran for five years and acquired a really massive cult following, but it was never considered this big giant hit for ABC. Uh, the audience was very niche and specific, and the people who loved it really loved it because, you know, a lot of other people didn't care about it. Like, it was one of those shows where it was like, if you cared, you cared, and if you didn't, you really, really just didn't. Um, but this was during that era of television that we've talked about so many times when a network would give a show more than two weeks to impress people and allow like a fandom to grow and above all things it made Jennifer Garner a household name and suddenly she was you know one of the most famous people in the entire country and I've gone back and watched some of the clips of this show on YouTube it's very and look it doesn't age well I haven't watched like the full show obviously but I've seen clips and they make me cringe um it's very very early 2000s spy fantasy the gidgets and gizmos and gigas that they use look insane they're like like the, one of the clips that i watched she touches the, these two giant prongs to like a locked metal suitcase and you hear like bleep, 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 bing, and it opens up to reveal like some ancient scroll i mean it really is like cheesy as shit and a lot of things just completely don't make any sense um, the music is all like Euro dance club mixes. And whenever Jennifer Garner throws a punch, you hear those old school, like Batman and Robin sound effects of that. She, you know, she's like defying speed and gravity every time she moves her limbs. It's really a mess. So I don't know how well the show as a whole ages since it, I mean, since it aired, I mean, it was over, well over 10 years ago. Um, but I remember being very gripped by it, you know, and inspired as a teenager. And I do also think it's worth mentioning that Alias was one of the first shows on television since, like, Wonder Woman to show a strong female lead doing the shit that she was doing. Uh, the show won her a SAG Award and an Emmy and a Golden Globe. Um, her pay very famously went from $40,000 per episode to 150000 which was a big deal back then. And by the end of the series, she was, um, you know, she was a fucking star. And like, so begins the transition of her becoming the solidified Hollywood actress in all of its glory. At this point, pretty much every director wanted to work with her. And one of the first really big names to reach out to her was Steven Spielberg. Um, she had a small role in Catch Me If You Can with Leo and this led to her starring in Daredevil alongside none other than Ben Affleck. We are going to talk extensively today about Daredevil, one of my favorite terrible movies. It's up there with Catwoman. It is literally one of the most ridiculous, silly, absurd films I have ever seen in my life, and I love it oh so fucking much. Now, my Ben Affleck episodes have kind of been a bit out of order, which should come as no surprise to you, but I did Ben and Jennifer Lopez first, then I covered Ben and Gwyneth Paltrow a few months ago, uh, who we, he obviously dated before Jennifer Lopez, so if you haven't heard those episodes and you want to listen to this man's journey or whatever in chronological order, um, if that means something to you, I would suggest going back and listening to Ben, listening to Ben and Gwyneth first. And then switching over to Ben and J-Lo before finishing this. I don't know. Do whatever you want. You know what I mean? Um, in the Ben and J-Lo episode, we talked about the massive transition uh, of his star 
You know what I mean? Of him going from being this sort of like beer drinking baseball guy, you know, frat boy to like a Dolce and Gabbana button down frosted tips leading man. And Jennifer really kicked his ass into A-list gear and turned him into this like full on brand. And he was exiting one of the most, if not the most highly publicized relationship in Hollywood history. Um, a relationship so prolific that it changed the way that we talk about celebrity couples. It changed how we refer to them, you know, with Benifer being the first like couple's nickname. And it really pushed the boundaries of an already boundaryless world of celebrity paparazzi coverage. Like it was really crazy. I also spoke about how towards the end of his relationship with Jennifer Lopez, he was really leaning into his addictions. Uh, he was gambling a lot. He was fucking strippers and escorts a lot. Um, he was literally recorded having phone conversations at casinos um, while talking to Jennifer Lopez drunk and like blatantly lying to her in public about where he was in front of like random people being like, oh my God, that's Ben Affleck. And he's on the phone lying to Jennifer Lopez about like being at his buddy's house, helping him move or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, just really carrying on. And we have to talk about Daredevil, which I'm actually, <laughs> I'm the most excited to talk about Daredevil. I literally just leaned up in my seat. Like I got a second wind. The story of Daredevil is actually very interesting. Um, it's a movie that's so bad that it now lives in infamy which is not good for a man whose public scrutiny level at the time was at an all-time high, uh, not only because of his relationship, but because of his most recent film choices. You have to remember that when Daredevil went into production and was released, he was still in the honeymoon phase of his relationship with Jennifer, which meant he was also starring in Geely and Jersey Girl. These were movies that were like in the zeitgeist. And Daredevil was set to be like this decade defining action film that critics speculated was going to rank in like almost 80 million dollars you know and it's marvel so you know that they had like 50 million fucking sequels already lined up based on the success of this one and it ended up almost burning marvel to the ground literally uh, the Telegraph UK in 2018 said, The problems began with, but were by no means limited to, its leading man. Affleck had started his career in wry independent films, such as uh, Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy, before finding mainstream success alongside, chi alongside childhood pal Matt Damon in 1997's Good Will Hunting, winning the pair an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. But his underground credibility quickly evaporated as he took on a series of clunky blockbuster roles, and Michael Bay's Armageddon and Pearl Harbor. The later nosedived, leaving question marks over his ability to carry a big movie on his own. Exactly the task asked of him on Daredevil. And that was very much the, the conversation surrounding him during this time. Could Ben Affleck act? Had we been bamboozled? Had we been lied to? Had we been cheated out of our $7 <laughs> at the movie theater and whatever in 1998? Um, Something that I think that he's had to fight to prove, even now, like, Ben Affleck is a Golden Globe winner, he's won Emmys, he's won Oscars, he's directed, but even still, when you hear that Ben Affleck is le is the lead of a film, people get a little, it's like, eh, there's not, like, an overwhelming amount of um, happiness with that, it's, like, very polarizing, and 
one of the first initial issues with this movie was that everyone involved in it had completely different ideas of what the movie was supposed to be. You know, the studio wanted a very sort of modern take on a superhero. So no like superhero suits or cliches. And the director wanted a classic superhero story um, with all the beats that you come to expect. And Ben, who was supposed to be playing the character as this blind person, this blind, like brooding comic book outsider, uh, apparently saw him as like a wisecracking bro. So they were all making completely different films. Jennifer was actually one of the only people in the movie to play a more sort of subdued version of her character, which led to her being kind of spared in the press when the negative reviews came out. But Colin Farrell and Ben Affleck did not get so lucky. And if you were bored, I would really suggest that you go on YouTube and watch the fight scenes on YouTube of this movie. They are, it's so, if you're like me and you have an affinity towards terrible films, um, films like Showgirls, you will love Daredevil. Like, pack yourself a bowl, pour yourself a glass of wine, do whatever you feel like you need to do. And just really lean in. Um, it's just so weird and so bizarre. It's just so bad that it's good. Um, hi, Ryan Bailey. <laughs> Are you guys listening to Ryan Bailey's new podcast, by the way? So bad it's good. It's really funny. Speaking of. Um, but I don't know. It's just it, some of the most mind-boggling scenes that I've ever seen in my entire life. And this is also at the height of like Wire Foo, which we've talked about in the podcast before popularized by Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Charlie's Angels. So they're all very slowly sort of flying around and landing on things unnaturally and like really blatantly looking like they're connected to wires. It's amazing. The Telegraph UK also said, especially notorious is the scene in which uh, Murdoch essentially stalks Electra from a coffee shop to a nearby playground where they embark on a bizarre game of hard to get. She pulls back, she pulls back flips and high kicks. He waggles his cane and, and grins. And, uh, it says they end up perched across from one another on a seesaw as kids gawk through the fence and scream, fight, fight, fight. It is possibly the lowest moment in the entire history of Marvel on screen. Um, in 2015, Ben talked about the movie to Entertainment Weekly. And he said, if I wanted to go viral, I would be less polite. That was before people realized you could make these movies and make them well. There was a cynical sense of put a red leather outfit on a guy, have him run around, uh, hunt some bad guys, and cash the check. Uh, that's no longer the case. Good news is bad news. And that's true. Like, this was before The Dark Knight. This is right before, actually. So it was before people were doing these, like, this was the era of, like, put a guy in a suit and have him do a bunch of weird stunts that make no sense. And if you build it, they will come. The studios didn't care that these movies got bad reviews. All they cared about was that people showed up during opening weekend and made it, it made all of its money back, and that was it. And then they'd make nine more, and people would go. Um, so Ben and Jennifer technically met. We're talking about the relationship now, which I'm very excited about. So Ben and Jennifer technically met in the summer of the year 2000 on the set of Pearl Harbor, a movie that flopped and was panned by critics um at the time jennifer was married to scott foley and ben was either about to leave gwyneth paltrow or had just broken up with her but it was like around that exact time period 
And it was reported that they developed a strong relationship on the set of Daredevil, but didn't pursue each other and stayed with their partners. In a 2005 Fox News article, uh, they said, Affleck and Garner first worked together on the 2003 movie Daredevil, according to IMDb.com. Garner became tangled in the wires that were helping her do a flip in a stunt for a movie, and she nearly crashed into a wall, and she was supposed to flip off. Affleck, in his Daredevil costume, rushed up to her, grabbed her, and pulled her away from the wall before the accident could happen. Garner later commented, it was like, it was like he was actually Superman. Now look, do I think that they hooked up while filming this movie? Yes, of course. I don't think a good, wholesome Christian Jennifer Garner can resist the charms of a sexy polka player, Ben Affleck, at the height of his debauchery and feeling like he can get whatever and whoever he wants. I just don't. And I picture their first sexual encounter to be very similar to that of Carrie and Big in the elevator scene, the fuck you, fuck you, fuck me scene, uh, when she's like slapping him with her pocketbook and like clenching her, her blouse closed, uh, but then she can't resist him anymore and she and she he fucks her up against a wall. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure she tried to resist him for a long time. I'm sure that she told him that it could never work and all the things, all the cliches and that she loves her husband. And, you know, I'm sure she reminded him, you know, you're engaged. We can't do this, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, yeah, I believe he at least like finger banged her under a table or something. I'm just saying, I'm just being honest with you. He, they did something. There was human contact. There was possibly a fluid exchange. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, ben and Jennifer made an appearance together on a short-lived IFC show called Dinner for Five that now lives in infamy because it is the first time that you see how truly, madly, deeply in love Jennifer is with Ben Affleck. And, uh, he's like very careful not to respond to her flirtations on camera because he's very publicly engaged to Jennifer Lopez at the time. And his relationship again is a business. Um, as a side note, Jennifer five was a show where five people, um, who starred in a project together would sit at a dinner table in a restaurant and just talk about their experience. And this was an episode based around daredevil so the episode aired in January of 2003, and it's available in full on YouTube. Um, it's magical, and it's adorable, and it's cringy because they have so much chemistry that it makes the people around them uncomfortable. It's that good, inappropriate chemistry that you want to look away from, but you can't stop staring at. And there's a moment where Kevin Smith like makes fun of Ben, and Jennifer's gut reaction is that she gets so angry, and she like defends him so intensely. And she says, I'm going to kick your ass if you keep talking to him like that. Like defending her man, you know what I mean? And she looks at him the entire episode with such like love and gratitude and admiration. It's like you don't, you don't know how to feel about it. Like you feel uncomfortable. You could tell that he felt very uncomfortable, but she's so in love with him at this point that she physically can't contain it. And Ben is at least, like, trying to put on, like, you know, a little bit of an effort. But she she physically can't do it. And ironically, <laughs> a couple months later, she and Scott Foley called off their engagement. Uh, Scott told Entertainment Weekly in 2003, 
Nobody else was involved in our breakup. Jennifer became a huge celebrity. She became a huge star and she deserved everything she got. There was no other relationship. There was no infidelity. There's nothing like that. People get divorced, you know? The couple's divorce uh, divorce papers filed by Garner on May 9th cited irreconcilable differences. Hello, old friend. Um, and during the same month she filed for divorce, she was also filming 13 going on 30, which, you know, I think is a major turning point in, you know, for her career, in her life, in her public image. It's always confusing to me when people like Angelina Jolie and Mila Jokovic do like these back-to-back like action gun shooting projects and paint themselves into a corner, um, kind of like Jennifer did with Alias and Daredevil. And like, I, I feel like at a certain point, like you stop being able to even tell the movies apart. Like I've watched Salt many times. I actually really enjoyed it. Jenna, or uh, Angelina Jolie's um, like action movie that didn't do anything. And I almost feel like the movie would have gotten so much more attention and so much more praise if she hadn't done like nine other action movies at the same time. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but switching over to a silly rom-com was the perfect thing for her to do. And who would have thought that the movie would go on to become such a cult classic and possibly like the most celebrated film of her entire career. Um, Benifer announced in January of 2004 that they were calling off their engagement. It, it got me thinking about how weird it is that we live in a world where there's a possibility that Jennifer Lopez doesn't like Jennifer Garner because her former fiance, Ben Affleck, most likely cheated on her during the filming of their terrible movie. And this is why, like, Hollywood will always just be, like, this big, massive high school to me. Like, it's literally just a high school. Um, ben and Jennifer made their first ever public appearance on October 23rd of the same year at Game 1 of the World Series. And everyone who, like, knows Ben Affleck, who has known him for the past decade, knows that, like, that's a big deal. This is how Ben Affleck announces his relationships to the public. He brings his girls to the Boston Red, the Boston Red Sox game. And, you know, this really had to be a giant stab in the chest of Jennifer Lopez, who only a couple years prior was in the same shoes, in the same fucking box seat, rooting for the same team with him, wearing the same hat and all the things. Um, they also attended game two the following day. And Jennifer was seen as, you know, this massively positive influence in Ben's life. She held his hand through his sobriety and sources close to him told the press that, you know, they'd never seen him like this before. They'd never seen him make these types of changes in his life for any woman he had ever dated. And Ben proposed to Jennifer on she and I's birthday on April 17th of 2005, the 4.5 carat ring from Harvey Winston, Harvey Winston, wow, from Harry Winston, worth $500,000, and of course, the press compared it to the iconic 6.1 carat pink diamond that he got Jennifer Lopez, um, they got married in a very private beach ceremony in uh, Parrot K, Turks and Caicos, a couple months later, um, Victor Garber, who played her dad in Alias, was the person who officiated the wedding and was the only person invited. Um, Jennifer was also four months pregnant during the time with their first child, Olivia, 
I literally just made up that name. They don't have a child named Olivia. <laughs> Violet. Okay. Um, little Brittany Jean was born on. No. Um, after the ceremony, they were photographed running into the ocean in their clothes. And it's actually really sweet. There's something about Jennifer Garner's smile that just like, after looking at it for several hours in photographs, I just can't resist. Like, I was even thinking about going through and revi revising some of my my tawdry notes because she doesn't deserve to be spoken about negatively. Like, literally halfway through this episode, I'm like, I love her. I love her. I'm like Katie Holmes during a interview uh, during her engagement to Tom Cruise. I love her. She looked so wide-eyed and happy and just in love. And... You know, to add insult to career injury, she starred in a Daredevil spinoff that she was contractually obligated to make against the better judgment of anybody uh, who was able uh, to rationally think. I mean, what the fuck? They made a, uh, they put her in a Daredevil spinoff in 2005, which was obviously critically panned. People hated it. Who allowed her to do this? Like, I understand that there were contracts involved, but my God. Um... They debuted her baby bump at another Red Sox game in October of 2005. She gave birth on December 1st. And Ben Affleck's, like, career rehabilitation, I would say, started right after the birth of Violet. He starred in Man About Town, which was kind of barely seen by anyone, but it got pretty decent reviews and Smoking Aces. Um, he also played George Reeves in the biopic uh, Hollywoodland, which is one of his most critically loved films to date. Um, not only did it earn him a Golden Globe nomination, but it allowed for Hollywood and the general public to have faith in Ben Affleck again um, and have faith in, him, faith in him as an actor, that this was a man who could, in fact, carry a big blockbuster movie and not just fuck it all up. The early 2000s were really rough to him. You know what I mean? If Ben, if ben Affleck can get through, like, the early 2000s through Geely and, and Daredevil and Jersey Girl all in a row. Like, we can do anything. Um, and he also returned to his roots and made a cameo in Clerks 2. And I can't speak to what was happening privately, but I can say that publicly, things were going really well for him. He was marketable again. He was being taken seriously as an actor and Jennifer Garner had rehabbed him to sobriety, and he really leaned into being, you know, a family man. Jennifer told The Independent in 2008, sometimes I think, oh gosh, I'd better read the paper so I can talk to my husband, she laughs. I can hold my own with him, though. I hate to break it to him, but he likes to think, can you believe how smart I am? He'll be teasing me, and I'll say, yes, actually, I can. I'm astounded that I can keep up with you most of the time. And I'll promise you one thing, he's not boring. You can't really get him to get off the couch, but um, you can definitely get him to have a good conversation while you're there. You just can't be willing to leave the house. So like, you know, pushing the narrative that he's like this boring dad who just sits at home and drinks coffee and wears slippers and and talks about philosophy and, and shit. Um, and like, here's the thing. I'm never rooting for anybody to fail. Like, I want the best for Ben Affleck. <laughs> um, but I do believe that no matter how well he's doing in his life, um, ugh, his ability to remain faithful and fully sober 
is just I just don't see it. I don't like I believe he's cheated on every woman he's ever been with. And that includes a pregnant Jennifer Garner, even before the nanny, which we'll get to here in a minute. But I just don't buy it. You know what I mean? Um, in fall of 2009, a few months after the birth of their second daughter, uh, Serafina Rose, rumors started to circulate that Ben possibly had flirted with and maybe hooked up with Blake Lively on the set of The Town, which he was directing. A source told In Touch that he desperately tried to hook up with her and that she was the one who wasn't interested and turned him down. There were other sources that say that, like, she was desperately trying to hook up with him to further her career and that they did. So we'll never know. Um, but, I mean, I did see, photo, like, the infamous photos that they were talking about of them, you know, that led to the hookup. And it literally was them just standing and talking to each other on set. But I can completely understand how through the lens of a tabloid, like, they looked bad and, like, not a good look for somebody with his history They gave birth to their third child, Samuel, in February of 2012, and by 2013, Ben's career was really really fully back on track. He had won a Golden Globe for Argo, um, which he directed and starred in, and he gushed about Jen during his acceptance speech at the Globes and at the Oscars. Um, His Oscar acceptance speech actually kind of went viral because, now look, I've watched enough Ben Affleck content at this point, (laughs) enough at this point, to pick up on the fact that he's not really good at interviewing. He often will say things that he means a certain way, but they come off a different way. And he's always like sticking his foot in his mouth. So at the Oscars, he said, I want to thank you for working on our marriage for 10 Christmases. It's good. It is work, but the best kind of work. And there's no one I'd rather work with. You have to work harder than you think you possibly can. It's hard, but you can't hold grudges. And it doesn't matter if you get knocked down in life. All that matters is that you got to get back up. To which Jennifer responded um, in the Telegraph and said, I know Ben, and I know what he meant. Um, I know he meant it as the hugest, warmest compliment in the world. She explained, I think he was saying, look, uh, what we have is really was really real and I value it above all. And I'm in it with you. And I know that you're in it with me. That's the way that I took it. And, you know, this is like a weird kind of period for Jennifer Garner's career. Like, while doing research for this episode, I kept like kind of waiting for the moment where I would suddenly feel like grounded about Jennifer Garner. Like I was like, like it would all suddenly make sense to me because that's what usually happens. Like at a certain point, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what kind of actor this person is, like even more so than I did before. But I still don't. Like, she she has so many hits and misses, and there doesn't seem to be any specific reason why she chooses films to work on. Like, there's no, like, rhyme or reason behind it. Her filmography is very random in a way that makes me feel like she literally just, like, closes her eyes and, like, throws a dart at a pile of scripts on a, on a wall. Um, she had this long stint of doing films where the reviews were described as mixed, which you obviously know what that means. And then she'll do like three or four really weird projects in a row. Um, like the odd life of Timothy, Timothy green, where her son starts growing tree roots from his limbs. Um, and then that's followed by butter, which she like plays a woman who is competing in a butter sculpting competition. 
Um, but then she'll do like, you know, something like Juno or something that like wins her a nomination. And you're like, oh, okay. Like she just chooses really random films to be a part of. But Ben made an appearance in August uh, with Jennifer to kind of make fun of his acceptance speech and try and make light of it. Um, now we're getting into the nanny of it all. <laughs> the nanny Christine. I'm obsessed with this woman. So in July of 2015, a now infamous picture of Ben Affleck meeting his former nanny, Christine Oswanian? Oswanian? Um, and it blew up the internet. So Christine was hired by the family uh, from an upscale Beverly Hills nanny service uh, to look after their three kids. And she had apparently only been working with them for a few months um, before she was abruptly fired. And according to sources, she wouldn't tell people why exactly she was let go. Uh, though, according to Entertainment Tonight, Ben wrote a glowing recommendation letter for her on behalf um, of the company website. So there was like a, a letter literally posted on the website that she came from, like from Ben Affleck saying like, hire this girl, she's great. Um, they were seen smiling outside a rental house that Ben was staying at and, you know, he was then seen like exiting the house to meet her outside while she's driving his car and carrying a box that looks like it's holding champagne, which was later to be revealed like a really expensive bottle of champagne. It was also later revealed that she actually tipped off the paparazzi so that she could be seen handing him the champagne uh, outside his house, which can explain why if you view the photo, she is smiling into the camera and flipping her hair, a true stunt queen. I'm obsessed with this woman. Ben Affleck's rep released a statement that said, the story is complete garbage and full of lies. All allegations of a romantic relationship are baseless and untrue. You shouldn't be able to hide behind blind sources and attempt to destroy families going through a difficult time. His rep further stated, it's like the, sto like the story is told by a kindergartner. It's shameful, and we are considering legal options. I think that I finally hit my wall when it comes to Hollywood reps. Like, if a Hollywood rep's only job is to tell tabloids that a story is complete garbage and not true, why am I not doing that? You know what I mean? It's not like they ever say anything so profound that makes the public believe what they're saying. Ever. They never do. They mean absolutely nothing at all to people. There's, they're just things that you kind of read. Um, I can't explain how many useless Hollywood rep quotes I've read on this podcast at this point. But anyway, at the same time that this is all happening, stunt queen Christine is going around and telling everyone she knows about the rumors um, that they're true and that, uh, you know, she's been sleeping with Ben. She's also told her friends that she and Ben meet regularly at Hotel Bel Air, which was confirmed in photos of them leaving together. And while this is all taking place, Jennifer is, is uh, in Atlanta filming one of her many to come Christian films called Miracles from Heaven. Um, she spent her days off visiting sick children in Atlanta and, um, you know, posing for pictures with patients and their families. E reported that a source claimed that Jennifer was livid and eager for it to go away. It's like, thanks, source. Thank you, reps, and thank you, source. Thank you for that titillating information that Jennifer wants this scandal to not happen. Like, thank you. 
And this is kind of what I'm talking about when I say, like, I don't know where to place Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. It's like, was she just being really smart to go around to children's hospitals during the same month that her husband has a crazy cheating scandal about to happen? And, you know, she went and visited sick children on a whim. I know that the movie is about sick children, but it's like, was that also some weird thing set up by people? Like, I, I, I do you know what I mean? Or is Jennifer Garner just so sweet that out of the kindness of her heart while she was in Atlanta, she went to the hospital and wanted to see some sick kids? Like, I don't know. I really literally don't know. You tell me. So after um, after all this takes place, obviously they file for divorce. Uh, they actually filed in the midst of this story kind of being a thing. So there were still things coming out about Christine after uh, they filed. They released a statement saying, after much thought and careful consideration, we have made the difficult decision to divorce. We go forward with love and friendship for one another and a commitment to co-parent our children whose privacy we ask to be respected during this difficult time. The couple says in a joint statement to us weekly on Tuesday, June 3rd, this will be our only comment on this private family matter. Thank you for understanding. And uh, during this time, Ben and Jen are still living together. They're still wearing their rings. He's also visiting, uh, you know, her movie set in Atlanta. And um, he's, hang you know, she's like hanging out with his mom in Atlanta as well. And the nanny sent another now infamous photo uh, to her friends who then sent it to tabloids. I'm sure she told them to. Um, of her wearing Tom Brady's Super Bowl rings on her right hand. It was confirmed that she was on a private jet with Ben Affleck and Tom Brady. And I'm going to leave you, sort of, I've got a little bit more to say, but um, Vanity Fair did an interview with Jennifer Garner in 2016 that was so candid and so raw and so real. And um, without any question, the most candid I think she's ever been publicly. It's actually really good. She says... It was a real marriage. It wasn't for the cameras. And it was a huge priority for me to stay in it. And I, she said, and it didn't work. Uh, let me just tell you something. We had been separated for months before I had ever heard anything about the nanny. She had nothing to do with our decision to divorce. She was not a part of the equation. Bad judgment? Sure. It's not great for your kids uh, for a nanny to disappear from their lives. I have had, uh, I've had to have conversations with them about the meaning of scandal. I turned on CNN one day and she says, there I was and there we were. And I just wasn't, I wasn't ready and I won't do it anymore. I took a silent oath with myself last summer to really stay offline. I'm totally clueless about all of it. And that's how I want to keep it. Ben says, oh, you just don't care. And I say, no, that's the opposite. It hurts me so much. And I care so much. Um, she says, I'm choosing to not give a shit uh, how the divorce looks to the outside world. I cannot be driven by the optics of this. I cannot let anger uh, or hurt be my engine. I need to move with the big picture um, always on my mind, which is first and foremost, my kids. She said, I didn't marry the big fat movie star. I married him. I married Ben, she says, and I would go back and remake that decision. I ran down, I ran down that beach to him and I would do it again. I can't have these three babies and so much of what we had. Um, he's the love and not believe that he's not the love of my life. What am I going to do about that? He's the most brilliant person in the room. He's the most charismatic and most generous. Uh, he, 
uh, he's just a complicated guy. I always say when his sun shines on you, you feel it. But when the sun is shining elsewhere, it's cold and it casts quite the shadow. And she said, of course, this is not what I imagined when I ran down that beach, but it is where I am. And she says, we still have to help each other get through this. He's still the only person who really knows the truth about things. And I'm still the only person who knows some of his truths. Can we talk? He's the only person who knows the truth about things. And I'm the only person that knows some of his truths. That's a loaded statement. Uh, one thing is for sure. She refuses. To, this is amazing. This is where I'm like, okay, so I'm on board with Jennifer Garner. One thing is for sure. She refuses to claim responsibility for the midlife crisis tattoo, the rising phoenix that takes up her strange husband's entire back, as seen in photographs. She said, you know what we would say in my hometown about that? Bless his heart. A phoenix rising from the ashes. Am I supposed to be the ashes in this scenario? Garner looks at me with a wink. I mean, snap in a Z formation. <laughs> yes, God. Yes, queen. Yes, mama. Like, yes. Bless his heart. Everybody knows that bless his heart is the most, is the oldest form of shade that exists. And I love that she said that she was the ashes. <laughs> I don't know. I just love all of it. I also love that thing that she said about like how he knows his truths and I know some of them, alluding to the fact that like, I'll probably never know all the women he fucked, but I know some of it. And there's that. Um, ben did a press tour and said all the cliche shit that you would imagine that I'm not going to even bother reading to you about moving forward and leaving the past in the past and being grateful for his family and putting his kids first. Jennifer is amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Um, they were spotted leaving couples counseling in 2016, late 2016, looking miserable. And they continued to be photographed together until mid 2017, um, March to be exact. Um, and it was reported that they were possibly maybe going to give it another chance, which was quickly debunked. And in March of 2017, um, it had been revealed via Facebook that uh, Ben was completing treatment for alcohol addiction with the help of Jennifer. He said, I'm lucky to have the love of my family and my friends, including my co-parent, Jen, who has supported me and cared for our kids as I've done the work I've set out to do. This was the first of many steps take, being taken uh, towards a positive recovery. Alcohol addiction is something I've dealt with in the past and will continue to confront. I want to live life to the fullest and I want to be the father that I know that I can be. He continued, I want my kids to know that there is no shame in getting help when you need it and to be a source of strength for anyone out there who needs help but is afraid to take the first step. Um, prior to making the announcement, he was seen publicly with his sober coach, Elizabeth Weaver. And in August of 2018, Jennifer was photographed driving him to a Los Angeles rehabilitation center herself. They all looked miserable. He was in the backseat bloated and sweating. And I think he was crying. Um, a source told Entertainment Tonight that he was working hard to stay clean. But there were concerns that despite his best efforts, he was getting or that he was um, backsliding. The source also said that um, Ben's biggest problem is that he gets sober for other people, never for himself. Um, he celebrated a year of sobriety in August and was photographed on the 26th of October at a masquerade party just this past October in West Hollywood, um, stumbling out of the party drunk. 
um, he was videoed, like, you know, trying to steady himself to get to his car and, like, nearly falling in the street. He told photographers the following day that it was a slip-up and that he would not let it derail him. And that was literally just a month ago. So who knows how this is going to end up? Who knows what's going to happen with Ben Affleck? Who knows what will come of his sobriety? Um, Jennifer Garner has moved on. He's moved on. They're both in other relationships. And, you know, I just... This is like the class... Sorry, my nose is like getting weird now and I have to stop recording and stop speaking. But this is just such a classic case of like the good girl wanting the bad boy and being burned by it. You know what I mean? Like she got burned by this idea that she could change this man. Nobody can change Ben Affleck, clearly. You know what I mean? If Jennifer Lopez, and I feel like the craziest thing is that all of the women in his life have had different tactics as to how they went about trying to fix him. Gwyneth had her way of trying to fix him to try and get him to be a better actor and to take roles that would challenge him and to really immerse himself into his craft, into his work, and uh, to kind of remain sober. Jennifer thought that if she spray tanned him and slapped a fucking $400 button up on him that it would make all, all things better. You know, when she really tried to do all she could and Jennifer obviously took the most grounded approach and like, you know, sending him to rehab and literally driving him to rehab. And I'm sure them having children played a massive part in that. But like, it's just sad, you know, I don't know. I don't know of anybody else that Ben Affleck has dated that I like will care enough about to talk about for an hour. But like, that was pretty fun. I don't know. Um, my nose is getting weird though. And I want to stop talking and I'm about to, this is, I, it's literally 551 right now, PM Eastern standard time. You're going to be hearing this at like 630, like literally same day. So, uh, yeah, I love you guys very much. I will see you next week. This was a very fun highfalutin, A-list rootin' tootin', and I love you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to The Smush Room, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Also, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady, that's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.